key thought from week one of our Legacy Series was this, is that really, so many of us, we were born greedy, but the solution to that is generosity. Is the biggest problem in culture is our greed, and the greatest solution is generosity. We believe this at our church, and our pastors said this so many times, but that we were born selfish, but we really were born again generous. And this is the heart of this series. And so I am responsible for the assignment of week two of this series, and uh, I cannot wait. And I want to jump right into it. We're going to go to Malachi chapter 3. Now, when we go to Malachi chapter 3, here's a couple things that I want to say beforehand to get into the context of the story. First of all, the Lord is appealing to His people to say, return to me. Come back to me. I don't know who's watching this right now, but maybe that's God's plea and prayer for you, is that you would return back to Him. Maybe you had a, a stronger faith beforehand. Maybe you've been far gone for a little bit. Maybe you've had a prodigal season where you've run away from God or run away from the Father. And He's just simply appealing to you, return back to me. But this text in particular has been, let's just say, either abused, it's been manipulated, people are misinformed about it. And I want to provide clarity to what is controversial. That's something that the Lord gave me years ago, was provide clarity to controversy. Now, in Malachi chapter 3, let me just say a couple things. A few preachers have manipulated this text, and I'll explain what I mean as I read the text. But then the congregants, many people and Christians in the church world, have been misinformed of this text, and they do not understand its proper context. I want to provide proper context for you today, because this text can radically change your life for the better. You can see external change. You can see financial change. You can see a whole lot of change in your life. If you would apply what this text preaches, and at our church, we believe that the Bible is the holy word of God. This thing is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. This thing can change your life because it's not just a historical book. It's actually an alive book. And so, let's bring this text to life. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Our God is immutable, is the term. He is an unchanging God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are you not consumed? From the days of your father, you have turned from my statutes, my principles, and you have not kept them. And here's the key phrase, return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you will say, how shall we return? And he goes, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. Strong language. But you say, how have we robbed you? And the Lord says, in your tithes and contributions. Verse 9, here's where this has been manipulated. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. This is God speaking. So bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, God says. Put me to the test, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now that's so important. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so that there is no more need in your life. Come on, anybody else believe that and will receive that? Come on, somebody. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Speaking of the devil, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and the vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations, in other words, you will be so blessed that everybody will recognize how blessed you are. That is what we call favor, divine preferential treatment. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I want to preach from this thought today, the devil and the dollar. 
the devil in the dark. Why don't you come on? Why don't you type that in the chat? Throw that to a couple people. Maybe use this uh, YouTube video if you're watching it today and throw it out to a few friends. The devil and the dollar. The devil and the dollar. Father, we love you. I pray, Lord, that you would help me speak with clarity and boldness and to be able to speak to your people. I want our people blessed so that people from all around, like the scripture says, the nations will call you blessed. I declare that over my brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm preaching at this church, okay? I'm preaching at this church in Connecticut. And it's called Vertical Young Adults. That's where I'm specifically speaking on this Friday night. I'm preaching my go-to message. I preached this message years ago called Kings and Queens. This is my mandate. This is my assignment, especially when I go to youth and young adult events. I love speaking this message because I believe in raising up royalty. I believe that you are not common. I don't believe that you are normal. I believe that you are royal, that God calls you to a whole nother standard, a whole nother level. And so I'm speaking this message. I'm preaching this message. I'm giving it everything I got. There was an incredible response. Tons of people got saved. It was incredible. An awesome night. At the end of the night, the pastor comes up. At the conclusion of the night, we had an awesome ministry time. I love seeing people's lives get transformed and changed. And, and the pastor comes forward. He turns to his left and he points directly at me. He says, this man just preached a word in season for all of us. And he goes, at this church, and I remember this, and I wrote this down in my notes because I thought to myself, this was such a powerful principle. He goes, at this church, we believe in sowing into the preacher. We believe in sowing into the word of God because we believe that this is sacred and these moments are sacred. And so if he invests in us, well, we want to invest in him. I thought to myself, I said, praise the living lamb of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What they did, and I had, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea. They didn't ask for my permission. They simply just threw up my cash tag. Now there's Venmo and there's Cash App. If you still run a business and all you do is have cash and you're only allowing cash to happen, cash flow to happen, listen, you need to change your business, okay? Like we live in a cash app and Venmo age. And so they put up my cash tag. Essentially, it's my identity on cash app. And so they said, because he's invested in us, we want to invest in him. And unbeknownst to me, they threw up my massive, on this massive, I'm not, I'm not kidding, 40-foot massive screen. They put up my cash tag. And they said, because he invested in us, we want to invest in him. And then, of course, on this massive LED screen, I did not know they were going to do this. But they put up King Deezy 508. And I thought to myself, I am a buffoon. Okay? I was ticked. I was bummed. I was like, I need to change my cash tag right now. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world? I didn't know they were going to put my name up on this massive screen. They're thinking, oh, what a, how professional he was. He was well-spoken. He did an excellent job communicating. All of a sudden, King Deezy 5 way. This guy's an idiot. What is this? We're not going to invest in this moron. I'm thinking to myself, nobody told me they're going to put this cash tag up. I was ticked. Okay, the end of the night comes around. Listen, let me, let me just say, this is not to be braggadocious. This is to say how generous these people were. These people were so generous, it wasn't even funny. I walked away with one of the biggest offerings I've ever had as I preached there. And I've been in some places. Listen, we don't preach for money. I don't do ministry for money. People don't go into ministry for money. But I walked away blessed because the people knew how to sow. One particular moment, I remember there was two young kids. Young kids. I'm talking maybe 13, 14 years old. And whether it was their parents' money or it was theirs. I remember this young, young man came up to me and he gave me a $50 bill. He said, thank you so much, Pastor. That was an incredible message. Here you go. And I thought to myself, to be like this young 13, 14-year-old young man, to have a generous spirit like that, I want that. 
I want that for my kids. I want that for me. I want to make sure that in my heart of hearts, I have a generous heart. This is what this series is all about, is we simply want to talk about God and money. Now, this subject makes people so vastly uncomfortable. It's not even funny. But please, can you just do one thing for me? Can we just make a request out here that, yes, people have manipulated God and money. Yes, there have been a few preachers. But please don't charge an account from a few preachers to all preachers. At this church, our pastor said this a few weeks ago, at this church we get audited regularly and we actually submit to the process. We've had a clean bill for over 30 plus years since we've launched this ministry. We voluntarily go through audits. So don't charge some other people's manipulation tactics to our account. We believe in integrity around here. We believe that because of your money, because of your giving, we're able to actually reach people. We say this all the time. But listen, we don't use money. We don't use money. We don't use people to get money. We use money to get people. That's what we're all about in this church. But because it makes people so uncomfortable, because people have manipulated this, we're not trying to manipulate you. We're actually trying to motivate you to become the giver that God has intended for your life. Is we have people that just want to give. Like that 14-year-old little boy that came up to me. I want a generous spirit just like that. But I believe this, is that God is a God of abundance. God is a God of abundance. And poverty is not the will of God for your life. Come on, I need you to agree with me and type it out in the chat. God does not want you to live in poverty the rest of your life. We actually believe in the blessed life. We believe in the blessed life. What does that mean? That doesn't mean we have just enough. That doesn't mean we have not enough. That means we have more than enough. Come on, we have more than enough need. I've I've heard people say, you know, All I need, I just need my bills paid, food on the table, and my family taken care of. No, you don't. Come on, you need far more than that. God has not called you to just live a life like that because, to be honest, that is selfish. I'm going to say it again. That kind of mindset is selfish because you have skill sets. God wants to give you resources so that you don't just have needs for you and your family to put food on the table or to have a car in the driveway or to have a roof over your head. No, He wants to give you more than enough so that you can bless other people and provide solutions to problems that they have. This is the blessed life. Not not, not enough, not just enough, but having more than enough. Come on, this is God's intention for all of our lives. God wants you to be blessed. And the Bible says it so clearly in Malachi chapter 3. Test me to see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. So that watch, you will pour down blessing until there is no more need. Come on, how many want that? First of all, having no more need. He will also rebuke the devourer to stop the enemy from stealing resources, to stealing your health, to stealing your mind. But then also, he says, all nations will call you blessed. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to live the blessed life. But the devil and the dollar are screaming at you at all times. The devil who is trying to strip your joy and the dollar who's trying to take your God's place. This is the devil and the dollar. And we have to be mindful of these things. But before, listen to me, before God blesses you, He tests you. Before He blesses you, He tests you. And he tests you with this, watch. He tests you with the tithe. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And before you tune me out, I'm telling you, if you tune me out, this will have dramatic implications on you because the tithe can produce the blessing and the favor of God on your life. Now at this church, I'm not just teaching on the tithe. My wife and I are tithers. 
in a couple weeks from now, in just a week from now, we are having our Legacy Offering Series. My wife and I are participating in that. I am one of the pastors of this church. I am also one of the tithing contributors of this church. And so we don't practice, we don't preach what we don't practice. I'm a tither. I believe in tithing. And so be careful if you have preachers that are not tithers themselves. So listen, as a tither, I believe in giving your first fruits, your best in faith to God. It is, not, it is not faith if you give it last. That's just, that's just tipping God. It's faith if you give it first. It's your first fruits. Here's what the tithe is. The tithe is this. The tithe is giving the first 10% of my income to God through the local church. The Bible says, test me in this. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. And then he says this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What is the storehouse? Your local church. Your local church. Giving to charities is important. I think it's great. Giving to other people is important. I think it's great. Bring the tithe, the full tithe, into the storehouse. It is The tithe is 10%. Tithing essentially means tenth. And you know what's funny? The tenth, the number 10 is always representative of the number of testing in Scripture. You have the Ten Commandments. These were testing the heart of humanity. You'd have the Ten Plagues. It was testing the heart of Pharaoh. Tenth is always, the tithe is always representative of the tenth, which is a test. And before you get blessed, you will get tested. And God is testing your trust and faith in Him. But this text says it so clearly. As He says, return to me. Return to trusting in me. For your job is not your source. Your skills are not your source. Your boss is not your source. Come on, your gift set is not your source. Your technology is not your source. God is your source. So, that being said, tithing is giving the first 10% of my income to God through the local church. This is not a religious act. It is a relational act between God and me. This is not a religious act. This is a relational act. And what I want to do is I want to build a case as to why I believe tithing is the best benefit for you. God will open the windows of heaven for you. But you have to open up your heart to Him. Have an open mind. I am not saying to some of the new people in our church, please, feel no obligation. This is not a compelling act. This is not a persuasive speech to say, you need to give an offering today. No, I'm saying you need to constantly, continually tithe and give your first fruits to God to showcase you trust in Him and He will open the windows of heaven for you. And here's a massive mind shift would be this. Here's something I wrote down is this. The basic question is not how much of our money we should give to God. The real question is how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves? It is a perspective shift. Is you are not an owner of your money. You are a manager of God's money. And I would rather have 90% of His money in my hands than 100% of, of my money without having God's hand upon it. This is a massive shift. Is all of us have to take inventory today of what we are supposed to do with God's money. For He is the one that we steward our money over. One thing that Pastor Eli Serrano said, he's a friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine. He's a great friend of our, our pastors. He's actually going to be coming to preach in March of next year. He says this, what a, what a crazy question. If we're encouraged to trust God with our eternal security, surely we should trust Him with our financial security. There's something to be said that if you trust God with your eternity, why wouldn't you trust Him with your finances? 
I think it's because we have a test in our hearts. Tithing is not a money test. Tithing is a heart test. Will you put your faith in me? Will you put your trust in me? Will you honor me with your first? Will you walk by faith and not just by sight? I think God, he doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And the tithe is a representative. It is your practical faith in Christian living. Now, I got to do some theological work here because I'm not just trying to give you a compelling, persuasive speech. I want you to know in your knower. I need you to know in your soul that God is a provider. God is a protector. God will help you in your time of need and he will help you in the area of your resources. But you must put him first. Tithing is essentially saying, I want God to act on my behalf. I don't want to carry the weight of my life by myself. I need assistance in this journey. That's what the tithe will do. It is not a, it's not just a practical act. It is a spiritual act. I'll use this little illustration. Um, I've, I've shared this before, but for some of my new people in our church, you've probably never heard this before, but I want to give a perfect picture of what the tithe looks like. The tithe is like this. When you are encouraged to go donate blood to the American Red Cross, they say at any given moment you'll have about 10 pints of blood in your body. And so what they will do is they will take a pint, a.k.a. they will take 10% of your body's blood. And this is what will happen. The plasma from your blood that was um, removed will regenerate in about 24 hours. But in three weeks, the blood will return right back to its original state. So the body will regenerate the blood that was lost. It will regenerate the plasma that was lost in three days. It will regenerate the blood that was lost in three weeks. And so not only did you contribute to helping other people, but the body restored the blood itself. This is the tithe. Is because of your generosity, because of your obedience, because you are giving to God what He has already given you through your tithe through the local church, this is what will happen. Is number one, you will bless other people with it because you are contributing to the house of God. You are helping build the local church. You are helping... Uh, support the local body. You are helping fund ministry and doing kingdom work. At the same time, your needs will get met. Your funds will be regenerated because that is what the tithe will do. The tithe is taking 10% of your local in of your income and giving it to your local church. So I want to make a case. Three truths about tithing. Three truths about the tithe. Number one is this. Tithing is biblical. Tithing is biblical. Now there is controversy all over the map. People say, nope, this was an Old Testament practice. This is not a New Testament, New Testament principle. And I would say, you're wrong. Absolutely wrong. Some people would say, this was just a part of the Mosaic Law. This was, only sold to, this was solely for the Israelites. Wrong. Because you will find Old and New Testament. You will find pre-Mosaic Law. You will find it in the Mosaic Law. You will find it in the New Testament. You will find pre, mid, and post-Mosaic Law. You will find that the tithe still remains. Matter of fact, I'll show you real quick. Let me dispel, I want to dispel a few myths right here because I think, I think we need to have, first of all, removal. We need to have demolition before we have renovation. I want to give you a few myths that we need to clear up and I want to give you a few truths that you need to hear because the text that said earlier, was, it, it was so interesting to me. The Bible says, verse 9, you are cursed with the curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. So this is where preachers can get manipulative is that if you don't tithe, you are cursed. And the Bible does not say that. We do not live under the law. We live under grace. Matter of fact, the Bible says it right here. 
The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, you are under grace. Great, so I don't need a tithe. Wrong! You are being extremist. You are no longer under a curse, but you are under grace. But in the New Testament, the New Testament standards do not lower, they elevate. And here's what I mean by this. You cannot be under a curse. Here's what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. The scripture, this scripture has nothing to do with us being cursed. Because we have now eradicated. We don't live under a curse. We don't live under this law anymore. We live under grace. So the scripture is no longer about a curse, but it is about a promise. And the promise is, test me, the Bible says. Test me in this and see that I don't open the windows of heaven for you. So it has nothing to do with a curse anymore. You are not under a curse. You cannot be blessed and be in Christ. You cannot be in Christ and be cursed and be blessed at the same time. For the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, it says, Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every heavenly, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. You cannot be cursed and you cannot be blessed at the very same time. You can't because you are in Christ. And because you are in Christ, you are no longer under the law, but you are under grace. And so God, in his redemption, he became a curse for us. Jesus was not cursed. He was blameless. He was sinless. So he took on the curse of sin and he became a curse for us so that now you're not cursed. You're blessed. But because of that, he has set us free from this curse. And because we have been set free, the Bible does not say just because you are set free doesn't mean you should not tithe any longer. Matter of fact, this gives you all the more reason why you should give so much to God because you are no longer under the curse of sin. You do not have to abide by these Old Testament practices because the Old Testament would be obsolete is what Hebrews says. But here, here's a few other scriptures that would be so important here. Genesis chapter 14, pre-Mosaic law. For some of my Bible thumpers, you'll understand this. For some of my new people, this might be a little over your head, but this would just be, I am laying a theological and a biblical groundwork so you know you're not being taken advantage of. This is what this is important for. Genesis 14, 17 through 20. After Abram returned from defeating the king, he came to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and he was the priest of God Most High. So Melchizedek was a priest. Abram defeated a king. And because Abram defeated a king, he inherited the spoils of that kingdom. And so what Abram did is he found Melchizedek, and here's what it says, Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. So pre-Mosaic law, before Moses came down from the Mount Sinai and gave us the Mosaic law, saying this is what you should do, this is how you should abide by, pre-Mosaic law, Abram went to Melchizedek, a high priest representative of the local body, and he says, still the tithe belongs to the local church. Still the tithe belongs to God. The first of everything that I have, my first fruits, belong to to the Lord. Pre-Mosaic law. Leviticus 27 verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. So that's Old Testament. New Testament, let's make sure, because we don't, just because people say this is not a New Testament practice, doesn't mean it's not a New Testament practice. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus speaking. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So God is speaking. So Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees and he's saying, he's saying, listen, you forget what this is about. 
yes, you should still practice the tithe. You should not neglect the latter. You should, not, you should practice the latter without neglecting the former. But the point of this particular text was to say and communicate to these Pharisees, listen, make sure first things are first. Do not neglect, just because you're tithing, doesn't mean you should neglect justice. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean you should neglect mercy. It's all the heart of the matter with the Pharisees. Jesus also says in Luke chapter 11, what sorrow waits for you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, but you do not neglect the important things. When did this become such a debate when Jesus' own words should say, you should tithe? That should settle it once and for all. Jesus says, you should tithe. Why should you tithe? Because it is biblical. Two, because you are not under a curse. You are not under the law. You are now under grace. Jesus has set you free. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom he has witnessed that he lives. Here's what the Bible is saying. Yes. Does the local body receive your tithes? Yes. Do we as a staff, as a church, receive your tithes as you give in advance this local church's mission? Yes. Mortal men receive those tithes. But there, there, speaking of heaven, he receives them. So although you are giving it to mortal men, although you are giving it to the local body and to the local church, what is happening is the Lord is the one who receives them. And because you are giving it to the local church, your local storehouse, the Lord receives them up in heaven. So, in case you were not convinced enough that this is biblical, Acts 2, chapter, four, Acts chapter 2, verse 45, it says this. This is so valuable. So many people say the tithing is not a New Testament practice. Well, here's the New Testament practice, and thank God we're not obligated to go this way. Acts chapter 2, verse 45, they sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. In other words, the New Testament practice is they sold everything, gave everything away, sold it all, possessions, properties, and all the stuff. They sold everything. And so if you really want to abide by New Testament practices, sell everything. Sell everything, share it with the poor, you'll have nothing from that. That's the real New Testament practice. So in my eyes, thank God we, we, get, we start at 10%. Thank God. Uh, we want to grow in grace, in our grace of giving. Come on, we believe in percentage giving, we believe in priority giving, we believe in progressive giving. But if we're really to abide by New Testament practices, sell everything and give it to the poor. Sell our possessions, sell our properties. And here is so important. This is where preachers can manipulate congregants. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided to give in his heart. So important. Decided to give in his heart. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Not reluctantly, not compulsively, but cheerfully. Three types of givers. Reluctant givers, compulsed givers, or cheerful givers. What kind of giver are you? Where because of persuasive speeches, because of guilt and manipulation through compulsive kind of communication, people give and they're tipping God. God does not want your tips. He wants your tithes. He doesn't want your tips. He wants your tithes. And so what kind of giver are you? Are you a cheerful giver? Somebody that has predetermined their giving in their heart. The Bible says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Please do not give a dime today. 
if you feel like this is guilty or manipulating. This is just to say, I am providing a biblical pathway to showcase to you, God cares so deeply about your money, not because he wants all your money. He wants all of you. That's what he wants. Tithing is biblical. Number two, tithing is responsible. Now, you maybe have never heard this. Maybe you haven't heard this before. Tithing is a good investment. Tithing is a good investment, and here's why. Both practically, also spiritually. If you believe in the God of the Bible, if you believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I am the Lord and I change not, the Bible says, for I, the Lord, do not change. He is immutable, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, then that would mean that God is a good God. And if you invest in kingdom work, then you will get 30, 60, 100-fold back in return. Tithing is responsible. Tithing, just the practical management of this is so important because you're investing into kingdom work and God in his goodness will give it back to you in return. I think about the boy with two fish and a few loaves. What did he do? He gave it to God and God multiplied it. You have to just give God your first. You have to give God your best. You have to give God in faith and watch what happens. God will literally multiply it and he'll turn a seed and he'll turn it into a forest. This is how God does. This is how God works. This is who he is. So tithing is responsible. The question is not how much of our money should we give to God. The question is how much of God's money should we keep for ourselves. And, and let's make something clear. We are not giving to God. We are simply returning to him what he has already given us. It's a conversation about management, stewardship, and ownership. God is the owner of all things. He is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. God knows what he's doing with your money. It is a responsible act to tithe and to invest in kingdom work. It is so responsible. I remember uh, my dad, uh, he and I have a similar shoe size. I'm a half a size bigger than him, but we love shoes. We're big Jordan guys. Uh, I love Yeezys. I love Jordans. These are kind of my thing. Jordan 1s, they're my go-to. Jordan 1s, 3s, 4s, 11s. Poof. You catch me with some of those, my man. That's a great gift for Christmas. Just saying. Um, I'm kidding. Um, Dad has a similar shoe size to me. Uh, didn't tell him this one particular time. You know, it's neither here nor there. But I grabbed some of his shoes from his closet and uh, rock it for a little bit. Actually forgot. I put them in my closet. He uh, sees the shoes in my house. He goes, hey, what are my shoes doing here? I go, oh, my bad, Dad. I actually, uh, I forgot to give those back. Here, I'll, I'll give them back to you. He goes, hold on, hold on. You're not giving them back to me. You're returning them because I never gave it to you in the first place. <laughs> How many of us do this with God? Is we're not giving back money to him? We're not giving back his money? No, we're returning to God the money that he has given us to steward and to take management and care of. Come on, we got to get this right. Tithing is responsible. We are returning to God what he has already given us. This is a tithe. And offering is a whole different statement, by the way. Really, tithing covers your needs. But offerings and providing generous offerings, it really blesses you, opens the windows of heaven for you. That's why tithes and contributions or offerings is identified in Scripture. So, here are five reasons why I tithe. I'll make it as practical as possible. Five reasons. I, I actually could write out ten, but I just wrote out five for the sake of time. Number one, to build and advance my local church. Come on, if you believe in your local church, then why don't you invest in it? If you believe that you need to see people's lives get transformed and changed, and you want to see Christians develop, you want to see biblical literacy grow, come on, what could we do together? 
Do you believe in the mission of this church? If you do, you cannot say you do believe in the mission of this church if you're not investing and developing it. I'm telling you, you invest in the house. Watch what the house will do for you. What would happen if how you treated the Lord's house is how the Lord would treat your house? Number one, to build and advance my local church. Number two, to help those that were less fortunate. Come on, what we do in the Dominican is incredible. What we do in our student ministry, what we do in our young adults ministry, what we do in our kids ministry is absolutely incredible. And we provide help to those in need. What we do in our outreach development, Framingham is killing it. Framingham campus is killing it when it comes to outreach. What we do in the local ministries and shadows, what we are doing to those with less fortune because your money and your contributions and because you're tithing to the local church, we are able to do ministry at a higher level than we've ever had before. Three, to be obedient to his word. Tithing is biblical. Four, to practice live out my faith in God. Listen, you cannot say you trust God if you are not returning to God what is already His. Can I be strong? You cannot say you trust God if you are not putting your finances and faith in Him. Tithing is practical faith lived out. But we really have more Christian atheists where you believe God, you say you believe God, but you act as though He doesn't exist. How could you trust him with your finances? How could you trust him with your eternity and not trust him with your finances? Number five, probably my favorite one. The reason I tithe is to assassinate greed in my heart. I need greed in my heart killed because I've seen what greed does to a country. I've seen what greed does to a family. I've seen what greed does up close and personal. And I do not want the devil and that motivation, that demonic motivation of greed in my heart. Why do I tithe? is because I'm making sure God has my money and I'm making sure my money does not have me. That's why I tithe, is I want to assassinate greed in my heart. Here's another reason why it's responsible, why tithing is responsible. Tithing is responsible simply because you have benefits to it. You have what's called tither's rights. And three things I see in the text. Number one, protection. Number two, provision. Number three, promotion. Let me read it. Let me read it, Malachi chapter 3. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there's no more need, provision. I'll rebuke the devourer for you that it will not destroy the first fruits of your soil. Your vine in the field shall not fail to bear fruit. That is protection. God will protect you from the devil. God will protect you from the dollar. And then the Bible says, then all nations will call you blessed. In other words, other people will see that you are so blessed that they'll call you blessed. Your blessing, your favor will be so recognizable that nations will say, that person's got it. That person just has the favor of God on their life. That is why you tithe. Protection, provision, and promotion. Now, this is not just saying because you're going to be rich. No, thank God that it's not just talking about money. Protection from from the devourer. Protection over my resources. Protection in my health. Listen, that does not mean you're going to be perfect. Suffering is a part of this world because we live in a cursed world. Now, you don't have to live under a curse, but we do live in a cursed world. And so this is not to say life is going to be perfect, but this is going to say you are not going to do it by yourself. That is what a tither's rights is, is protection, provision, and promotion. I think more than anything, though, tithing is biblical. Tithing is responsible. But tithing is because you're grateful. Tithing is because you're grateful. I heard an incredible illustration. I'll, I'll close here. heard an incredible illustration. There are three types of givers in the world today. There is the flint, 
there is the sponge, and there is the honeycomb. Now, for a flint to give, you have to hammer it down, hammer it down, and hammer it down, and the only thing that happens is sparks fly. Well, with a sponge, that kind of giver, you'd have to squeeze them out as hard as you can, only to just get a little bit of water out of them. But the honeycomb, because of, because of who a honeycomb giver is, is they just ooze sweetness right out of them. Is they're just overflowing with generosity. They are overflowing with, with the sweetness because they realize how good God has been to them. I wonder what kind of giver you are. Because if we're being honest, and we think about it this way, maybe you've never heard this before, God gave His best. God gave His first. And God gave His best for you. Matter of fact, the way I see Scripture, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus was God's tithe. It was His first. It was His best. And He gave it to us, not because He saw a return on His investment, but He gave Jesus to us, humanity, in faith, to say, I'm giving you my best. I'm giving you my first in faith. Let's see what you'll do with Him. Jesus was God's tithe. And I tithe to my local church. I tithe 10% of my income. And as far as my wife and I are concerned, we are going to grow in our progressive giving. We're going to go from 10% to 11% to 15%. In time, I want to, I want to be able to live like Rick Warren does, where he can, he can give 90% of his in income and live off of 10%. I want to be like that. Well, I don't just have not enough. I don't have just enough but I have more than enough so that I can meet my family's needs, I can meet my needs, and I can meet the needs of other people. That is why I tithe. I tithe because it's biblical. I tithe because it's responsible. I tithe because I'm grateful. I wonder today if I have convinced you, if the Lord through His scriptures has convinced you, you need to become a tither. To the tithers of this church, I want to say thank you for advancing the mission. Thank you for investing in kingdom work. Thank you for taking care of, first of all, what the Lord says to be obedient to, but also because you are helping so many people. We're reaching people in Framingham. We're reaching people in the Tri-County area now. We're reaching people all over because of the faithful tithers and givers of this church. And if you want to listen to me, if you want to listen to the Lord and the scriptures, if you want to listen to the sermon, well, maybe listen to money. Because even the dollar bill says, in God we trust. I wonder today if you would start to tithe and you would become somebody that because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, because of all that he's done for you, you are no longer under a curse, but you are under grace. I wonder if you would respond to him and say, I'm going to practically live out my faith. And if you can't give money today, that's okay. But why don't you give you? I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are under the sound of my voice. I ask that you would speak to them today, Lord. I pray through this message, and I know this is a teaching message, but I believe that this could be the message that opens the windows of heaven upon their life, that they would see protection, they would see provision, they would see promotion in their life. And so I pray blessing over them, that the windows of heaven open up for them, and the nations would call them blessed. But more than anything, we're not blessed without who Jesus is in our life. And I'm going to pray in Jesus' name that for those that are under the sound of my voice, 
I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to shoot your hand up or to click a button or to repeat after me and say in your heart, Jesus is your Lord. One, two, three. Would you shoot your hand up and say, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I repent of my sins. Today, I choose to live out my faith in practicality. And I'm gonna wrestle with this. I'm gonna pray through this. And I'm gonna be responsive and obedient to your word. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Week two of our Legacy Series. Hey, in the next week, we're bringing our Legacy Offering. And we would ask you to prayerfully consider what the Lord is having you give to our local body. We love you so much. God bless you.